The second thing for me is social media. So I know I'm a young guy, but I honestly hate social media so much. I was not on any social media platform until January 2021. Okay. I avoided it for as long as possible, and I'm like, oh, if I'm going to be an author, I guess I should I should do this. Because I know some people are like, oh, you don't need social media. You can still be successful with your book, but it's unlikely. And one of the biggest ways that you're going to be discovered is on social media, because there are so many eyes on the different platforms. Mm-hmm. And if you're not going to be on social media, you're missing out on a huge way that you could be discovered. I'm so excited to have my friend Caleb here with me today to talk about all things fiction and business. Thank you, Caleb, for joining us. Yeah, of course. Happy to be here. Well, let's start off with probably my most pressing question, and that is, how in the world did you rank as number one on bestseller on Amazon? Like, you published this book. Right. You went with a small traditional publisher. How did you guys manage to hit that number one ranking? What went into that? Yeah. So um, for one, I went through an independent publisher where they helped me with all the stuff, but the marketing. So that really was just me doing everything I could to get the book successful and still doing everything I can to get the book successful. One of the reasons I'm doing podcasts and joining you today. (laughs) But um, really the big thing for the my launch day and ranking number one in Christian fantasy on Amazon was nothing about my launch went how I'd planned. Yeah. The one I want to encourage you guys with is there's no such thing as a perfect launch because it's a mess. It doesn't happen. You can be um, the most thoughtful, most well-planned out and organized person ever and something is going to go wrong and that's just how the world works. Yeah. For me, um, my public, my independent publisher kind of did, does things a bit weird and they don't do like pre-sales okay. and they also don't, um, uh, they don't have like the whole, um, build up thing where you do pre-sales and I get a bunch of copies of the book to like find influencers and things like that, to read it, to get the reviews. No, I don't get the book until the book is released. Okay. So I had like the the advanced copy and I had one of those and that was it. Oh um, boy. Okay. Which made it a little difficult because I was like trying to figure out all of these perfect launch strategies. And, right. And, and all the traditional, like, yeah. traditional, um, what you call it, like strategies right. probably didn't go into effect for you because you didn't have yeah. the book in hand to do any of that. <laughs> and so I could send out like the advanced reader copy, but that was about it. Um, and then on top of that, the book ended up, it was supposed to be released on February, I think it was 19th and ended up getting released almost a whole month earlier. What? Were, were you aware that was going to happen? Um, sort of, but okay. there was, there was a bit of a miscommunication, but either way it was like, I wanted my launch to be on the February 19th. And then I had to like, we had to launch it early because, so I could get the books, but mm. it was like released on Amazon and all of the stuff. So like it was an officially launched book. Um, and I, I remember I was sitting uh, with my family at lunch and I got the email and I'm like, 
what? Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're like, um, what do I do now? <laughs> right. So that was, that was a bit chaotic. And I had just, the great thing is I had just formed my launch team. And so I was like, we were planning on doing some pre-launch stuff. And I'm like, hey guys, guess what? The book is out. It's go time. <laughs> right. It's go time. Um, so that was an interesting challenge. And basically the whole next week was a lot of chaos. And another thing about launching is that it really does take a lot of time. And so if you know that your book is going to launch on this date, set aside a week. Yeah. Honestly, if you can set aside a week and just do book launch stuff all of mm -hmm. that week, right. um, that's going to be incredibly helpful because you can get take care of all of the things and some stuff you can't do until the book is out. Like you can't really update your website or tell people the book is out until the book is actually out. Right. Right. Um, and so that was chaotic, but really the way that I was able to still be successful with the book launch and rank in number one in Christian fantasy um, on Amazon was two factors. One, know your audience, um, be in that niche audience. Um, and so because I knew my audience, I knew what my book was and who it was for, um, and I knew what genre fit with that, I could be in this very narrow specific audience of Christian fantasy. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I had less competition, which okay. is a nice thing. Yeah, um, it, it I won't, helps. I certainly like... won't complain about that. <laughs> um, so that was one area that helped. The other thing that really helped was almost the opposite of no trying, which sounds controversial, but it's okay to ask friends and family for help. Yes. Yeah. I have lots of friends and family and people in my church, most of which are not in my ideal reader, ideal audience. And they group. probably won't even read your book. Right. And but some they can of them still will, support some of you. Will, but they'll still support and a lot of them will, will still buy it, even mm -hmm. if it's not for them mm -hmm. because they want to support you. Right. And so what I had to do was say, I'm going to be humble enough to ask for help. I'm going to be humble enough to not say, hey, this is my book. And only the people that it's for should buy it. Mm -hmm. No, I'm humble enough to say, hey, friends and family, I need your help with this book. Mm -hmm. I am this young 22-year-old who still is learning and still figuring out what I'm doing. Please help by purchasing a copy, by telling your <laughs> friends, by reading, reviewing, all of the things. And so by leveraging the power of relationships and network, I was able to rank number one in Christian fantasy. That's and awesome. the great thing was, even though lots of them didn't necessarily fit my audience, many of them did know people that would fit my audience. Mm -hmm. So like some people at my church, um, at the time I was about to graduate from college and I was going to this small church with mostly older people in College Station at a and And I... Oh, that's not too far from me. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so what I did was I promoted it to all the people there. Uh, most of them I kind of had a relationship with, I was friends with, they're all like super great um, older folks. And most of them ended up purchasing a copy of the book. Um, I ended up having two launch parties, one in College Station, um, where a lot of them showed up and that was really sweet. Um, they wanted me to sign their, cop their copy and everything, which yeah. was sweet. Um, 
And the nice thing was a lot of them read the book and reviewed it, but they also were like, hey, I have a son or grandson or whoever that might enjoy this book. So I'm going to get them a copy as well. And that was really powerful because it's that word of mouth that is actually going to sell books. Right. Um, I'm all for um, marketing through podcasts and through social media and blogs, websites, email, all the things. But really what's going to drive sales is word of mouth. Is mm-hmm. someone saying, hey, I really like this book. I think you would too. Right. The, the podcast, the blogs, the social media, that gets you in front of that first wave. But then yeah. that first wave has to take it and push it forward after that. Yeah. Um, and so that's why one of the things that I do, um, I haven't pushed this a ton, but one of the things that I do and I plan on pushing more is anyone who purchases a copy for a friend, if they email me at, um, at my email, calebordauthor at gmail.com um, and just like a screenshot of the Amazon purchase and said, hey, I got this for a friend of mine. I'll be, I will actually send them a, a short story. I saw um, that so on your I'll, website. Yeah. It's on your website it's right now, like isn't it? Email list yeah. thing where you have that lead magnet, except for this is with sharing it with a friend. Yeah. And so it's I saw like that and I thought that a, was brilliant. It's actually like a pretty um, revealing short story about two of the, the main characters in the novel, the, uh, what happens with them, their fates. Um, and I wasn't planning on revealing it, but I made it this huge thing so that. I could start leveraging that power of relationships and marketing through word of mouth. That that's really smart, and that takes a lot of like forward thinking, too. So that's that's. How did you approach doing that? Like, was that just like as you were going along crafting the story, you're like, "Oh, I could take this and I could do this thing with it," or was it like after you had already published it and you're like, "Okay, I think I was going to hold off on this, but I think I want to leverage it." How did you go well, about that? So I had written the novel and then there was the whole editing stage, which took three or four years because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, did, and you, then so there was, did your publisher edit it then? Um, so I did a bunch of edits before I approached a, a publisher. Got it. But okay. yes, uh, the publisher did have an editor. Okay, so uh, you're not talking even, about that edit. You're talking about like pre-editing with so, on your own with beta readers and all that, that whole... Yeah. <laughs> all of all of all of that. So I did all of that and then I got a publishing contract. Did that. That's a whole nother story. Um and then there was like a good six months of they had their editor and all of their uh teams and it was just sitting there. It for most of it it didn't feel like anything was happening, but I'm sure at least something was happening. Right. <laughs> behind the scenes with from the publisher standpoint. And so during that time, um, I actually was like coming off of this huge, like writing mindset. I was, uh, churning out a, like thousands of words a day. It was oh fantastic. And, um, I ended up writing like a, a short story, like a biblical fiction novella for an app during that time. And then I was writing some short stories that I knew I wanted to use in some sort of marketing capacity. Mm-hmm. So I think I wrote four or five short stories, one I used for a lead magnet, one I used for what we just talked about, one I just released um, recently as like a launch for my sub stack, which I wasn't planning on on using it for that. And then it just kind of worked out that way. And then one I still have and will use somewhere. I don't know where yet. (laughs) 
So you were like in the zone and you just started yeah. creating. Okay. When you're sense. in the zone, just take advantage of it. Right. You got it. You got to just take advantage of it. I, I, I still miss the days where I got into a zone um, when I was commuting to, into, I, I lived, I used to live outside of Chicago and I was commuting into Chicago. And so I was on the train for an hour a day. And because I was on a train, I could write, right? Because right. what else am I going to do on a train? And so every day, every morning and every afternoon for an hour, I had this like uninterrupted writing time. And I was like churning stuff out left and right. I still look fondly back on those days. Like, I wish I had that. Like, I didn't even know what goal I had at the moment, right? Like that I could just, just need to go on to the train rides now. Right. Go somewhere. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> um, so you started to kind of talk about your journey to uh, signing a book deal with the publisher. So can you tell us a little bit more about that that decision making process with who to go with, how to get this publishing deal? What what was what did that look like for you? Yeah. So for me personally, um I was kind of hesitant about well all the different paths. Right. Um, kind of I see it as like four different paths. You have traditional publishing, independent publishing, which is the smaller publish traditional publishers hybrid, which is like similar, but you kind of have to pay for it. Right. And, um, and, and just self-publishing where you just right. publish. And it gets confusing because people use different terms for different things. Like right. I've heard indie publishing for self-publishing and I've heard, you know, independent publishing for like a small publisher. So it, it gets very confusing. And then yes, when you get people who are in the nonfiction world versus the fiction world, they all talk differently too. And you're like, oh my gosh, y'all are confusing me. <laughs> Right, which is why I just prefaced it with how I see how I view the four different mm -hmm. areas, because yeah. everyone has their own different. Uh, they really ways. do. Um, but for those four, I wasn't really interested in any of them. Uh, with traditional, I didn't really want another three to four years added on before mm -hmm. my story would finally be released after I'd been working on it for four or five years, and I would need an agent, and I would need. I would only get like 10% of the cut and all the stuff, but if you're lucky, right. But <laughs> also on the other end, I didn't just want to hit publish where in, in self-publishing, it's like, yeah, you have to be the jack of all traits and master of all. Yes. Yeah. You have to be the master of everything. Or you, you need to, to have the, or you need to have the collateral to pay somebody to do it. Yeah. Pay a lot of money for the book cover and the editing. Yeah. And, formatting and all of that stuff and I never wanted to be, to be the person that claims to have all the knowledge and to be able to do everything myself I'd rather work with people that know what they're talking about yeah um, but on the other end I didn't want to wait that long right that was the main thing for me just um I have 30 or 40 stories outlined in my on my notes app <laughs> and so I just want to start writing them right and I didn't want to wait that long right and so that was the big factor for me but there were other aspects too and um, and so i decided to go with an independent publisher um small traditional publisher where i didn't need an agent um it went faster i did have to do all the marketing but they handled everything else and i didn't have to pay for it was there like a true submission acquisition um side of things that happened yeah, so I did, um, I didn't go through an agent, but I did send in a proposal and I had like the query letter in the email and then the proposal attached. And then 
they um, read through it. I actually first they said no. They said um, this publisher said that we're not going to publish your novel and you're likely not going to get published anywhere else because the novel is way too short for for a fantasy novel. Okay. It was around 40,000 words. And oh, yeah, that is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's short. So that's I, like I a novella to... in the fantasy world, right? So I basically needed to double the length of the novel. Yeah. Um, that was very discouraging and frustrating, but um, God really worked through that. It was really powerful how it took like a week um, and just spent time with God and did a lot of brainstorming for what I could do to expand the novel after I'd already been working on it for four or five years. I was exhausted with it, but suddenly I just had those, that creative um, inspiration. Yeah. Yes. And God, I could just feel him breathing life into it again. And I so was cool. able to basically double the length of the novel within the span of like two or three months. I had, I like I said, er, after that, I was I was coming off of that, like riding high. Yeah. And um, and so I did a lot of writing during two or three months and basically churned out half a novel and sent it back to my editor. She was amazed with how it worked out. And then I sent it to the same publisher and they liked it. And so they sent me a contract um, and then I sat there for a couple months and then they went through their editor and they sent me a couple or two different designs for the book cover. I chose which one I liked. And I think my book cover, I really like. I like your book cover too. And you know, okay, so we both were at a conference recently. We were both there yeah. and his book was in the like conference bookstore and I picked it up and I was like, oh, I should buy this for the plane ride home. But my luggage was already at the... The max. maximum and i knew if i took it that book would now suddenly become a 35 dollar book <laughs> it wouldn't be going to you it'd be going to united airlines so that's, i'm like i'll have to buy it when i get back home <laughs> but I, I i picked it up because of the cover i was like wow this is really spiffy like yeah. it's a really cool it's a very um it draws you in yeah and i'm very grateful for that because like i said i never want to pretend to be an expert in something i'm not in and my I have absolutely no eye for visual things. Like I'm mm -hmm. not a visual person at all. One thing that makes um, social media a bit of a challenge for me, especially Instagram. But um, because of that, I was like, I can give you a couple ideas, but please come up with something good because I have no, no idea, idea what the cover should be. It's just blank. It's just blank. I literally was like, I, I texted the... Um, the two different options to a bunch of people and, and friends and family. And I'm like, which one should I go with? Because I can't tell which one's better. <laughs> That's so funny. I love how honest you are. You're like, this is not my wheelhouse. I need people <laughs> to figure it out for me. Um, that's very interesting. So do you mind if I ask you what kind of royalty you did end up with? Yeah. Um, so I have 40%. Of, oh, wow. Okay. I, I keep mixing up... Um, Revenue versus um, whatever Net profit. Yeah, but um, it's, I guess it's revenue because it's before all the publishing costs and everything. Okay. So it, it is a pretty good deal. Um, yeah, for, no, that is. World. Yeah, for the publishing world. Definitely, definitely. I was a little surprised by that. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, So you submitted, they accepted you, you went through editing, they 
gave you a cover. Um, how long, now you said it released a month early, but how long did that whole publishing process take? Like that from acceptance to the time that it released? Um, I think I got the acceptance in, I want to say either May or March. And then the editing was finished by, I think the end of November. And okay. then it, it the editing didn't really start till like the beginning of November or something. Mm -hmm. and, then it was, and then um the book basically was was done um and it just kind of sat there until um when it launched in January. Okay. Okay. I mean that's like a nine month turnaround. Yeah, pretty much. That's that's impressive. But when you're comparing it against traditional publishing model where it's like two three years from acceptance right. you know that is really that is very intriguing um but i also didn't have a marketing team working with me to make sure that everything was perfectly marketed yeah but you're not necessarily guaranteed with that with a traditional publisher either it really depends on how marketable they think your book is and how many copies they think you're gonna be able to generate for them so an interesting world. <laughs> it is a very interesting world. And you're always like, hmm, what's it? And I think that I, I think I like talking about these conversations. Like, I think we need to just be a little bit more honest amongst us writers, talking to writers with different experiences. I and like I never want to say like one way is better than another, but I want people to have the full picture so they can decide what's best for them. I think you have some really valid reasons for going with a small traditional publisher. Whereas like designing a cover doesn't, um, it doesn't scare me, right? Like I feel like I could probably pull it off. I, I mean, I have already right. one time. Um, so like it doesn't scare me, uh, but I can see if, if you're able to reckon. And I also was an editor. So like that, right. even that side doesn't even scare me, right? But, um, but I can understand if you feel like that's not your wheelhouse, like you're saying how you would want a team behind you. And um, and not having to put out the expense for it at the very beginning, at the front end, that's it can be really cost inhibitive. You didn't make that decision lightly. You really came at it from a very like wise and grounded perspective, not a like, I have to done this way in order for it to be a valid book. You are right. saying like, this is the, the process I need to go through in order to reach my reader. I want to give writers permission to do the same for their books. What process do you need? in order to reach your reader. And so I, I appreciate you being so honest and sharing all that with us. Um, I want to pivot a little bit because you are, you mentioned your age a little bit ago. You're a younger author. Is this like you're trying to make this your full-time gig or are you, like you mentioned college, like where are you at with things? And um, share a little bit about that. <laughs> well, um, so ever since I was little, I was creating stories in my head and I'm a very avid reader. You might be able to tell from all the books behind me, but, um, I yeah, love I'm like reading. trying to see them back there. I'm like, hmm, I think I recognize a few. Um, I love reading and I love, I always loved creating stories. Um, I didn't have many friends growing up, so I was creating stories and characters in my head to, I know it sounds sad, but no, <laughs> it, no, it, it no, was it didn't fine for me. It works for me. <laughs> I, I'm like, no, I relate. <laughs> it's not sad at all. Like, I know what you mean. Yeah. So, um, so you you kind of grew up with making these worlds in your head, right? 
And so, and, but I never wanted to be an author because I was like, oh, authors don't make any money. Authors are never successful. It's, it's too hard. Right. And then I end up like writing a short, like writing a very short story and then writing for like six or seven hours and just like nonstop. And I was like, huh, dang it. <laughs> How old were you at when that happened? Um, I think I was in like ninth grade. Okay. And so I wrote, um, I wrote some short stories and novellas uh, gradually getting longer. And then I decided to write a full-length book, um, which ended up becoming Downfall, although it went through a lot of revisions as mm-hmm. I was how to write. Because really for fiction, being able to tell a good story is essential. It really you have is. to be yep. able to engage a reader and tell a story that is interesting and engaging, um, even more than like, grammar or things like that, if you can tell a story that is engaging, then you will sell copies and people will love the book. Yeah, it comes down. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say it it comes down to that. Like, how are you utilizing the sentences to tell the story more than this is how grammatically the sentence is supposed to be? I was rereading some of the books that I loved when I was younger and I was like, oh, the writing isn't that great. Isn't that but funny it's okay how that works? I like... them. And they end up being successful. And so that honestly was kind of encouraging for me. Yeah. But um, so I started writing more and um, I realized that this is something I want to do full time. I My goal is to write full time, to not have to rely on another job, but to be able to just churn out books. And of course, do all the marketing stuff, but um, be able to be an author full time. Um, however, I knew that that wasn't going to happen right away. I'm very practical minded. And so I was like, OK, I'll go to college. I'll get a degree in something non-writing related um, so that I can have a job that I can focus on and then write on the side until writing can eventually become my full time thing. And so with this first book, with my, the sequel that I'm, I finished the first draft for and I'm about to start editing and for all the marketing, all of this is for the goal of being able to write full time. Okay. So it's your, you're in it for the long haul. Definitely. So what's your day job then? What did you go to school Uh, for? I work for a public charter school doing like some administrative stuff and some fundraising. Technically, my title is development specialist. And most people don't know what that means, though. You're the fundraiser guy. Basically. Right? Yeah. I, I'm doing I actually do know what that is because I had a nonprofit at one point. So <laughs> we always wanted that person. It was always hard to find them. Uh, yeah. Basically, I'm mostly just doing uh, email marketing. And, uh, I don't know when you're releasing this, but Giving Tuesday just happened for, yeah. for us as recording. And that was a big day for us. Um, yeah. Six, I, I'm glad it went successful. Um, and so that's what I'm doing full time. What's interesting is um, normally like, OK, I'm doing marketing for for my job. Um, but what actually I was like. Technically, I was marketing for my book before I started my job. Mm-hmm. And so I've actually been able to apply some of that to my job. And then also I'm learning some skills for my job that I can apply to my book. That's, That's awesome. A nice, a nice thing yeah. that's working out. So where, when do you think the tipping point would be where you could make this your full-time thing? Well, currently my expenses are pretty low because I'm a single guy. But 
Um, I love the honesty. You're like, this is what it is. <laughs> but I do, I do very much want a family. And mm-hmm. so I would need to be able to support a family uh, with yeah. just selling books. Um, and so I'm not exactly sure what the, the prices would be, um, but I know that I'm certainly not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a goal of one yes. day making this be your full-time gig. And so let's go into the marketing piece a little bit. Like what are some marketing things that you did because you weren't necessarily able to do like a true launch team, like with build up, right? So what are some of the marketing tactics that you used? Yeah, so um, I, I find it interesting that you you said past tense used because with sure. marketing and with a book, like a year later, if you want to sell copies, you have to market. You have to you keep do. doing it. And it's never a, it, it's almost a never ending process if you want to yeah, keep right. selling. Right. And so um, not to correct you, I'm just saying that that's No, no, I'm glad that, that you pointed out. Yeah, that's I'm glad that you pointed it out. All authors have to be aware of. If you want to keep selling books, you got to keep marketing. Mm-hmm. Unfortunate, but that's how it is. Right. Uh, so there's, of course, there's lots of different aspects, but um, there are kind of five main things that I focus on. First up, the simple one is the website. It needs to look good, um, update it with um, the most up-to-date information, um, of course, have my own domain. Um, I think that's very important. Do everything I can to make it SEO compatible so that it'll rank high in search engines. Right. Uh, so that's a big thing, but also something that doesn't need a lot of constant upkeep, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing for me is social media. So um, I know I'm a young guy, but I honestly hate social media so much. I was not on social, any social media platform until January 2021. Okay. I avoided it for as long as possible. And I'm like, oh, if I'm going to be an author, I guess I should, I should do this. Because I know some people are like, oh, you don't need social media. You can still be successful with your book. But it's unlikely. And one of the biggest ways that you're going to be discovered is on social media. Because there are so many eyes on the different platforms. Mm-hmm. And if you're not going to be on social media, you're missing out on a huge way that you could be discovered. Right. So for me, I use Facebook and Instagram. Um, I'm not the type. I'm very much a quality over quantity person. I don't think that you should try to do every single platform out there, because if you do, you're not going to get anywhere on any of the platforms. Mm-hmm. My goal is to focus on one or two and do those successful, grow those. Um, and then maybe once those are successful, then I can I can add in a third or a fourth. Right. Uh, and so I do that. Uh, I was really skimping on social media and not focusing on it much just because I was like posting once a week or once every other week. And I'm like, I'm not getting any traction. <laughs> Algorithm right. is not going to be in your favor if you do that. Right. But you're not, no one's going to see your post if you don't post. Right, exactly. Um, and so a few months ago, I like just sat down and scheduled out two and a half months worth of posts and had like three to three to five posts a week. And that was very nice because I could get that off my plate. Of course, you know, I still have to interact and things like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've got like a list of 
different ideas of what I can post about when I need something. So like book recommendations, behind the scenes information, like, oh, I haven't done a behind the scenes information recently. Let me post some info about a character or find a photo of um, something that kind of looks like a scene from my book and talk about that or Mm -hmm. something along those lines. Um, I do a lot of like questions where I will ask and uh, how I do it, uh, how I like to do it and how I've gotten engagement is I will post a question on um, social media asking like, um, guess what was the hardest thing for me to write in my book or guess what I like to listen to while I'm writing or where mm-hmm. I write or those kinds of things. And then everyone will guess their, um, guess what my answer will be. And then the next day, I post the response and I make sure to tag everyone in the comments who um, responded to the question the other day. I've gotten a lot of great engagement on that, but other types of questions where you're asking the audience questions or um, where you're just responding to questions, those are all all great content ideas. Um, So I kind of have a list of different content that I can use and then I just sit down and schedule out a bunch of posts. And that's a big um, area of marketing for me that I'm pushing. Um, the next one is email lists, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, had mentioned, and, you had mentioned Substack. Is that what you're considering your email? So that's a recent development. Um, yeah, that's why I'm asking you because this is yeah. like I am seeing this pop up everywhere and I'm yeah. kind of a little skeptical a little bit. That's fair. That's and fair. so I'm just like curious to know like, if you are considering it your email or are you considering it like another product that you can put behind a paywall, right. paywall, sorry. So for me personally, um, I had heard of Substack, but wasn't really interested in it because like I said, I'm very much quality over quantity. Right. I didn't just want to start a new thing just for the sake of starting it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got advice from a, um, a marketing expert, um, at that conference you mentioned. <laughs> and I talked with him for a while and he suggested for specifically where I'm at, writing fiction and, and having a relatively small email list and that he, I think the word he used was it's a no-brainer. Right. The nice thing about Substack is there is the paywall if you want it, and but there's also the free one. So you can have both going at the same time if you want. Okay. Um, I'm currently not using the paid one, but once I grow up bigger, get a bigger audience, I'll certainly consider it. Um, you can have, it's specifically for like newsletters um, or almost like news articles. Right. So it's kind of like a mix between an email list and a blog is how I see it. So does I it get sent running... out as an email as well as being on the blog yes. platform? Okay. Yes. All right, that makes sense. Um, so the nice thing is that... It really is like a blog where you can post on the blog, but it's also being sent out as an email in a very email-friendly way. And mm-hmm. The unfortunate thing is it's less customizable, so you can't like make it look like this beautiful email. Right. But it you can do some stuff. You can add your header, things like that. Um, you can add pictures. Okay. And so um, what I did was I had a blog that I was occasionally posting a few short stories on and some book recommendations, but hadn't really touched in a while. And I had an email list on MailChimp, which I personally didn't like. Yeah. Um, I wasn't a fan of the platform and I was on the free version where you couldn't schedule out emails, which was annoying. And I just, I spent months without sending an email. 
it's because it was inconvenient. Yeah. I think that's the one thing that oftentimes like because some, for some of us, when, especially when we're starting out, we're like, I really don't have a large chunk of money to put towards this. Like I, I kind of have to do things very on the frugal side. Right. Then sometimes these things like work against us. And it's like, so then you're having to decide, okay, what either I need to go find a new tool or I need to put money right. behind it because this is in, just, this isn't helping. This it's is just, not it's just not working. Yeah. And so um, I decided to combine my blog, which was at the, the third or fourth, or I've, I've lost track of where I was in that uh, list of different areas that I market. I decided to combine my blog and my email list into one thing on Substack, which is, a, like you mentioned, a bit skeptical, a bit controversial, um, mm-hmm. because it is a newer platform. Um, and saying it's your email list um, is a little different from what a traditional email list is. Right. But it really is. You're sending out these emails. And so can you, you can just also find it on in a blog format on their website. True. So two questions for you. And then we can move on to your your fifth one, your fifth thing that you're okay. focusing on. But uh, are, are you able to like export those email names yeah. like you own that? Yes. CVS file, file or whatever yeah. they export it into. Okay. And then the other question. The huh? And so that's one of the things that I think really does make it an email list because right. you can input the names, you can export it. it, is your list of emails, even if it's on a specific platform. Are you able to target people? Like, yes. are you able to segment people and target certain segments? Um, it's a people? little more complicated, but yes. Okay. You can like, basically create different newsletters within your your platform website mm-hmm. that goes to specific people. And you can also say, you can also create a post that you don't want to be sent out as an email, which is kind of nice. Um, okay. The other thing that's nice is you've got this backlog of, of emails and of blog posts. You can very easily import those into the platform and it's all formatted correctly. I was actually really surprised. All I had to do was press, uh, put a link to my blog and into the, into Substack and it automatically transferred all of my blog posts. It like onto, created a feed, almost, yeah. like connected. Yeah. That's cool. Um, what I would be most interested in knowing is like, are you still getting the SEO? Uh, for the, you know what I mean? Uh, like your blog. On your website. So I guess if it's funneling it onto your website right. and populating there, you should be getting it. But that's just an interesting, right. like, back-end question that, you you know, like, we, you're wondering, so, like, okay, the whole point of having a blog on your website is to generate keywords that right. can rank on Google. And so if we're putting those keywords on Substack, are we getting that same power behind it? I'm not sure. I don't so, know if you know. That was... That was one of the big reasons I didn't want to move to Substack because um, because of that whole SEO um, keyword ranking, all of that. But I was also like, okay, I'm not really posting on this blog anyways, so <laughs> I might as well. Um, I don't think that it helps with SEO in that regard. However, okay. you can add on your little, you, got, you kind of have your own domain. You, it's almost like you have your own website on Substack, although I mm. wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend using it as your website. Yeah, because it's, it's a little clunky. Awesome. It's a yeah. little clunky. Yeah. But either way, you can like add on in that header section, you can add a link to your website 
which does help, which does add another backlink back to your site, which is helpful for SEO. Um, yeah. And you can um, add links and things like that, or almost like you could post short snippets of the full um, blog post that you did on Substack on your website with links to it, or vice versa. If okay. you really want to drive home that content and that SEO um, aspect. So there are ways of working around it. Um, but for me, it was just, I was doing, I was trying to do all the things and I needed to consolidate something and Substack happened to work as a good blog and email list for me. Well, thank you for going into that. Cause like I said, I was like, what is this thing? Is this just a new fad, you know? And you're, you, I was very you always kind of have to do that. Like, is this really worth my time and energy to go invest in a new thing? But in your case, it sounds like it actually simplifies things for you by doing it. So that's for me personally. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so what was your what's your fifth thing that you're focusing on as far as marketing uh, the goes? thing is um, any sort of speaking engagement that I can do. I think conversations with people, whether it be um, on a by in it guest blog post or on a podcast or in some sort of uh, live speaking engagement. I think that those are fantastic. And if it's a live speaking engagement, make sure to bring copies of your book with you. Right. You know, sales that way. And everyone's going to walk out and not remember your name. But if you can bring <laughs> I'll have your book. <laughs> or if you can, what I also have is a stack of that uh, downfall being bookmarks with my name on it and everything. Okay. That's so cool. I usually hand those out at speaking events, but um, I think that that's a really important way for new people to discover you. Of course, if they can be in your um, ideal reader, even more fantastic. Mm -hmm. If they fit that audience, um, then getting in front of them through a um, a podcast or a live speaking event is fantastic. I've gotten to speak in a couple different schools, including A&M, which was a really fun one. Um, and my little sister's, um, uh, well, technically it's a K through 12 school. I spoke to the high school, um, and then several podcasts and then that, that writing conference that okay. you mentioned, I got to do a little, uh, three minute blurb. Okay. I want to pivot a little bit Yes, to this conversation about your book is in the Christian fantasy realm. It is, you have written it as a Christian. Now it does it mention God specifically or is it just got symbolism like a C.S. Lewis type situation or is it like actually mention God? It's very much Christian and okay. mentioned God a lot. Um, the the difficult thing about fantasy is that, you know, it's on this whole other world. And so if you're writing yes. Christian fantasy, then you have to like create your whole Bible and all of that. And um, one of the ways I it's got a little bit, it's always a little like, <laughs> yeah. little, like right. you're like, I don't want to be like heretical, but right. I also have this world in my mind and I want God to be right. the God of it. <laughs> right. right. Um, so it's tricky. Um, a lot of what I did for this first book was I tried to make it easy on myself with some with a few um, changes and like there's I won't spoil anything, but there's a pretty um surprising twist that happens with the villain and i the only reason i did that twist was because i didn't know what to do with the villain at that point so i just i just went with this twist and um i 
added some stuff later, but I like, I'm just going to um, make it easy on myself. And the other thing I did was I made um, all the people in this world to be originally from Earth. And they just like okay. traveled to the world Novitas. Um, and so because of that, they have Jesus and, and God and, <laughs> and the Bible and all of those things. I didn't have okay. to create my own religion. Um, I have, um, I'm excited about a future series that, that it's going to be like this very complicated um, uh, world with history. And it, I'm basically going to write its own Bible. I'm excited about that. You're going like the Tolkien but, route, huh? Yes. I will go the Tolkien route for, for one of my future series that's going to be like 12 to 16 books long. But um, With maps and languages yes. and all the things, right? Maybe not languages, but <laughs> something like that. And I'm really excited about that series, but I'm also like, I'm not ready for it yet. And that's okay. It's going to happen, but not yet. But also that whole aspect of them coming from Earth is an interesting mm -hmm. storyline. And, um, and I'll get to play around with that in future books. But, um, that's one thing I did, um, that allowed me to make it more Christian in a way. Yeah. But, um, honestly, uh, I never considered not making my books Christian. Um, okay. One, because my faith is all a huge that part I know. of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, my my goal in life, my my whole um, reason for being is to glorify God right. and become more Christ-like. And so disconnecting my faith from a huge thing that I'm doing just feels very inauthentic for me. Mm -hmm. But also, um, I believe that my stories should make an impact, should um, transform lives. And I believe that the characters should grow. Uh, as you connect with characters and feel close to them because you can relate to them in some way through some personality trait or history or even just we all deal with suffering we all right. deal with this broken world around us mm -hmm. and, and so when we can connect with characters on a deep level and then that character goes through these trials and struggles and they end up growing and transforming into a better version of themselves um, if they're Christian, they're becoming more like God, more Christ-like, that kind of thing. And then the character or the reader experiences that journey with them, mm. then that inspires them and encourages them to grow as well. Right. So I believe that in Christian fantasy specifically, or all Christian novels specifically, that we have the opportunity to help people grow mm. and help people pursue God and become more passionate about God. And so that is one of the things that I believe that my stories are meant to do, mm. to inspire transformation and inspire um, my readers to be more Christ-like. Mm. And I just can't disconnect that from God. And, so, I mean, and, and that's kind of a, I mean, that's a business decision too, yeah. right? Like it's a personal decision. It's a, 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 decision of craft even but then it's also a business decision because you're narrowing down your audience is what you're doing and so you you know consequently it's, have yeah. less sales and so right. you kind of have to be okay with that yeah but from a from the business perspective um 
One thing I like to say is that while I'm writing, my imagination as a creator connects with God's imagination as the creator. Mm. And so basically all the mediocre parts in my book, that's my doing. And all the good parts is where God inspired it and God wrote it for me. And so to disconnect my writing from God just means all the mediocre stuff. And that's not going to sell well. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. I love that idea of like engaging with the creative parts. I agree. I think we're stewards of the creativity that he's given us. I think that it's a huge responsibility and that we're supposed to be very obedient to it. I think that if we look at what's happening in the publishing industry today with just how complicated things have gotten and how such the, you know, the whole marketing aspect and having to build these big platforms and all the different, you know, publishers buying up publishers and all the crazy that's happening. I think what we can see happening is that the enemy attacking story and attacking writers, stewarding the creativity that God has given them. It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing that we've been entrusted with and we have to steward it well. And so I love the intentionality that you bring to what you're doing, how you're doing it, who you're meeting with that work that you're doing and the transformation that you're hoping that they'll encounter and experience because they're encountering your work and engaging with it. So I really do appreciate that. Before we wrap up, what advice do you have for that author out there who is navigating the world of writing their novel and building their platform and all the business decisions and should I go traditional? Should I self-publish? Should I do an independent publisher? What advice do you have for that individual? Yeah, my biggest piece of advice is an encouragement. So yes, writing and publishing is very difficult. First, mm-hmm. you're writing and that's that presents its own challenges. And then you're editing and revising, which is a whole nother can of whole worms. Other, yep. And then you're trying to get someone to purchase the novel or like and publish it. And then the whole marketing thing where you're basically just throwing out books, begging people to buy it. It feels like sometimes. And there's just so much involved and it can be exhausting and draining and frustrating. And it can feel like every single step is impossible. Mm -hmm. But my encouragement is that if I can do it, you can too. Right. I'm this like, I mean, I know I'm like on a podcast and talking a lot, but I'm like this quiet introvert who doesn't like being around people. I would love to just be under my covers right now, reading a book with my headlamp on so that I can see the words. (laughs) Um, I'm not very like passionate or excited. I'm very methodical and slow, and I don't want to start something unless I can finish it. Um, And I'm I'm only 22. Uh, I was in college and going through all this chaos and um, God was teaching me all these things and I had so much other things going on. And yet, if I can publish a novel, if I can rank number one in Christian fantasy, if I can be even relatively successful in this first book and be working on a second book, then you can too. Because... I'm not some exception or special case. All I did was work hard. Mm. All I did was keep going. And even when I got that rejection, I just started the revision process. And I just Mm -hmm. started rewriting and finding people that knew more than me that I could learn from that could better equip me um, and teaching others at one step behind me, which helped me take a step and them take a step. 
all I did was just keep going despite all the challenges, because it feels sometimes like every step is going to be another and bigger challenge. Mm -hmm. But if I can keep going and be even relatively successful, then you can too. And that is the encouragement I want to leave um, your listeners with, because as impossible as it might feel, if you keep going and keep learning, keep writing, keep um, marketing, then you can do it. Such wise words. Thank you for sharing that encouragement with us. I appreciate it. And I, and I know our listeners will appreciate it too. Well, can you tell us what, I know you mentioned you're working on book two, so when can yeah. we... When do we know when that's going to release? Do we have an idea? Um, I hope sometime this next year. I'll probably go with the same publisher, but I don't even have like a contract yet or anything. Okay, all right. Um, so you have yeah. to, yeah, get that part done. I finished the first draft, and then um, my mindset is first draft. You just get the words out. So mm -hmm. I have some revisions to do. And I was setting it aside for a couple months so that to let it breathe, so I could come back at it with fresh eyes. And so I'll do all of that and then I'll send in a proposal. If they get accept me, then there's the, their whole process. So right. my hope is sometime in 2023, but if not, definitely 2024. All right. So in the meantime, where can we hang out with you on the internet? Yeah. So um, the hub for all of my stuff is um, my website, calebordauthor.com. My social media links are on there, my Substack, all my, my book, all my short stories, blog, all of the things are there. Um, but pretty much for all of my Facebook, Instagram, Substack, website, all of the things is Kayla Board Author. So okay. if you just type Kayla Board Author into somewhere, you'll probably find me. <laughs> just type it in, you'll probably get him. <laughs> you'll find me somewhere. Awesome. Um, but yes, my book is Downfall. Yeah, hold it Downfall, up for us to see. You can find it on Amazon um, or on my website. Yeah. And um, I would love to connect with you on Facebook or Instagram or even just text or email. Um, I'd love to hear from you and connect with more authors and readers. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Caleb. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. I had fun. And thank you for joining us today for this episode of the podcast. Join us next week as we continue the conversation about the business of Christian fiction. Bye.